Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Vedic's Assemble! Vedic Jackalove! Vedic Collinson! And I'm Vedic Smart, and we are the Vedic Assembly. Welcome to the Vedic Assembly, listeners. This is your dedicated Deep Space Nine podcast here on the Holosuite Media Network. I am but one of your hosts, Brandy Jackala, of course, and with me today, of course, are my two friends, my dear friends, both Nick Collinson and Liam Smart. Let's start with you, Liam, because you were on mission in the Delta Quadrant. The Delta Quadrant? You yeah. Were, you went to the Delta Quadrant. You said you were going to the Gamma Quadrant, but you went to the Delta Quadrant, didn't you, Liam? Didn't you? Yeah, I went to go and, you know, find my homeboys, the Kazon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just you just wanted their hair accessories, didn't Oh, I you? did. I love a bit of coral reef in my hair. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> how, how are you feeling, sir? I'm much better. I have a bit of a cough, and today I have a hangover, so... <laughs> I know. As uh, you called me Vedic Fun Bitch last Fortnite's episode, I did. I, Vedic mm-hmm. Fun Bitch was too much of a fun bitch and had too much <laughs> spring wine. <laughs> you just really want spring to come on, don't you? Well, yeah. It, it was, was practically but, spring yesterday. It was beautiful, yeah. It was like 25 here. It was beautiful. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, I'm so glad you're back with us because we missed you last week, last oh. week, last episode. Thank you. Time goes by so quickly. It seems like last week, but it was two weeks mm. ago. And thank you for reading out my little bit about Miles. He is definitely a puddle of a human being. I loved the name <laughs> of the episode that you that you named. Oh, yeah. dear. Did a good yeah, job. It, well, thank you. Uh, it's always better when you're with us, though. Mm. So, <clears throat> one quick annoying thing that I'm going to do. Uh, Eddie Izzard, I'm going to bring him up again. He does a bit at the end of one of his older shows that was called Unrepeatable, where he talks about Star Trek. And he's talking about how the phasers only used to have two settings, which were stun and kill. And he said, why aren't there more settings? Why not stun, kill, limp? <laughs> <laughs> and then he started doing all of these other settings of the phaser, like a bit of a cough. So that's why I started getting amused when you said bit of a cough, Liam. And there was also an ice cream van nearby. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sudden interest in botany. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Depression setting. (laughs) Just, yeah, it's brilliant. Anyway, so Nick. Yeah, he didn't have that one, but he had a lot of them. He's just like, he's just like, you know, buckle in, guys. I've got a million of these. (laughs) But, uh, Nick, how have you been? How have your two weeks been since Pretty I last spoke Pretty good. So, um, you would have heard I recorded an episode of Open Channel with uh, Chris Littlefield, which is really fun. Um, yes, yeah, I, got I heard to, that. It was fun. Got to re- relive uh, my childhood a little bit, singing uh, Kookaburra Sits in the Old Gum Tree, which was really, yes. really fun. I got to do my uh, shipping forecast. I loved that so much. I want that every time. I want that anywhere you are willing to do it. Do it on this show if you want. I love it. 
I see. I haven't listened to it yet, so I don't know what this is. Tell Liam what it is, Nick. <laughs> so I based it on. So I don't know, Liam, being f- from the UK, you might actually know what the shipping forecast is, like that sort of BBC radio thing. Oh, where yeah, it's like that's the weather. What I thought you were going yeah, on. Yeah, the weather forecast for like the shipping lanes. But mm-hmm. I wanted to do that with like the different, you know, ships, like relationships that people have that are arising out of like lower decks and like new Star Trek. Cause I feel like it's just something that's been not yet done as far as I can see in all of the like shipping of different characters in fandom in general. It's like, there's gotta be some way to do it. So I was just like, this is the shipping forecast. And, and, <laughs> and the way the shipping forecast goes, like the one in the UK, it's just mentions all the different areas, which all have these names like Dogger, Fisher, German bite. I was like, okay, that can be all the different like character name portmanteau ship names. So I came up with Tenderford for Tendy and Rutherford and uh, Maransom for Mariner and Ransom. <laughs> I love it. And how are you, Brandy? I am fine. <laughs> well, move move on. Okay. <laughs> well, unless you want to make me cry by my talking about the death of Chadwick Boseman for 10 minutes. Oh, then- yeah. I'm fine. Okay. All right. So today we are going to talk about, and we touched on this a little bit in the last episode, but we're going to go deeper into fatherhood in Deep Space Nine. And we do have fathers, like more than a few, in the Deep Space Nine canon, Mm -hmm. oeuvre, however you want to put it. And we're going to look at all those different representations of fatherhood and probably make some uh, make some moral judgments on good and bad mm-hmm. <laughs> practices. Couple of them. Actually, do you know what? I've li- what? I've never thought of just how many fathers there are in Deep Space Nine. Like I mm-hmm. it literally just clicked then that all you have in Voyager is Tom. Mm-hmm. And that's it. But Deep Space Nine has got Descartes and Miles and Benny Boy and I feel like there's another Rom. Mm-hmm. So many. Yeah. And then like. And Worf. Yeah, Worf. Old Man Cisco. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, we've got generational fatherhood in the Cisco family that we get to see. Yeah, I never actually thought of that. Wow. This is how prepared I am for today's episode. No, no, no. That, that's okay. <laughs> Honestly, sometimes. Preparation is overrated. Okay. So where do we want to start? Do we want to start with basically the most prominent of the fathers? Or do we want to just start with maybe Rom? (laughs) Well, I was going to say Rom. Yeah. I think Rom would be a good place to start. Yeah, let's talk about Rom. I like Rom. Rom is my- I love Rom. Rom is probably like one of the most- I mean, taking Cisco out of it. I think Rom is the most endearing and- supportive father especially Mm -hmm. when he's like nog not wanting to be part of you know the prophet what's the word i want to show not wanting to be part of the ferengi acquisition yeah all that stuff stereotype i guess and the rules of acquisition and the divine treasury etc and Mm -hmm. that rom really goes on and supports nog to be in starfleet and then so much so that he takes inspiration from nog to then join the operations side of things himself yeah yeah i i love the development of rom's character because he could have just easily been 
your typical comic relief dumb guy character, but he had an arc all his own throughout the seven seasons. And I appreciated that because he's the guy that you're kind of always rooting for. That you're like, oh, Quark, Quark, stop being a jerk to your brother. <laughs> mm. Your brother's got more going on than you think. Mm. Yeah. Like, you sort of root for the underdog. And Rom is like the definition of underdog mm-hmm. <laughs> in the Ferengi uh, characters that we see. Yeah. And he's got to have some kind of game because he got Lita's attention. Mm-hmm. I know, right? Yeah. I mean, he's got some and- fantastic lobes. <laughs> <laughs> he really does. I, I, I just, it's such an interesting pairing, those two, because it's not something that I ever really saw coming. But when it did start to happen, I thought, oh, no, I definitely am on board for oh, this. Yeah. So, it's just so sweet. And I was, I was, it is so sweet. And I was just so desperately hoping it was going to work out. And so when it did, I couldn't have been happier. Lita. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about Rom. He doesn't have a an evil bone in his body. Yeah. And if he if he gets worked up, there is a really good reason for it. Mm. He never just flies off the handle. He's always careful and he's always considerate, not just of the people around him, but he considers his thoughts and actions before he does them. And I also really love how he got into, you know, being part of ops in on deep space nine and all of his engineering fixes Mm -hmm. and he's always just so excited about that it's something he's passionate about something he's good at and it's something that he was never expected to be able to do because he's he was basically written off by his own people as nothing yeah yeah because he doesn't have that that guile that you kind of need Mm -hmm. to to succeed in ferengi society he doesn't have the lobes for business, mm. apparently. No, he just is guileless. That's it. <laughs> it's so basically, Quark is full of guile. Yeah. Right, but Rom is just always honest and open, and that's why he sucks at being a typical Ferengi. And oh yeah, it's not the same. I love. Deception. Yeah. Mm. Guile tends to be hand in hand with deceit yeah. a lot of the time. Okay. Now we all have a little bit of guile in us for various reasons, and it's not necessarily always a bad thing. However, it is—it's always refreshing to see someone who is completely divorced from all of that kind of behavior, and just is what he is. And that's why he got someone like Lita. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, she could recognize that in him, and it—and it is definitely part of what makes him like a good father as well. Like he is, even though he's, you know, he's not a good businessman. He's not able to like support his family kind of in that sense, but you just get the feeling that like he is as much as he can be emotionally always there for, for his family and for Nog. Mm. Yes. He is always kind to Nog. And that's the, um, the thing like we see it with Ben and Jake, that they play off of each other and they learn from each other. But Rom very much learns from Nog. Mm-hmm. Very yes. much. And probably Nog learns more from so. Rom. Oh, yes, definitely. But I feel like Rom probably learns more from Nog because Nog's gone off, done what he wanted to do and didn't feel bound by the requirements of Ferengi culture. And that's something that I feel that Nog, when he was younger, would have felt like, but he didn't have the... I guess the confidence maybe to be like, no, I don't know. This is not what I want to do. I want to go and do engineering operation kind of things. 
but it took Nog to do that. What, like, go to Starfleet for Rom to realise that this is what I can do. And probably yeah. brings the confidence out and learns that. That's how I feel about that anyway. Yeah, well, I I think that uh, that Rom was a good example of how not to get completely caught up in everything that Quark wanted because he was protecting his son as much as he could from Quark's lifestyle yeah. and from what Quark wanted to do. And you you see that influence of Quark in the premiere episode in Emissary because basically he and another guy are stealing some stuff and they get caught by Odo. And Sisko, of course, decides to have him thrown in the brig. Mm-hmm. For reasons we've already discussed. But, uh, you know, Rom Rom never made Nog feel like that's what he had to do. Yeah. And gave him the freedom to figure out who he was. Which is something he just did without even thinking about it. And that's the beauty of Rom as a dad. Yeah. yeah. Is that his kind nature just creates kindness in others and allows others to be who they are. And you can't ask for more than that from a parent. Mm. Portrayed very much what a lot of people hope for in a father. Yes. yes. Definitely. Not imparting, these are my beliefs, you must do what I want to do. Very much what Quark was doing in a way. It's like, you will not, you will find your own way in life. And that's what that's what I feel an ideal parent has to do. Oh, yeah. I agree. Because there's this idea... And parents may not even realize that they do that, but they they have a child and then they want to copy and paste all of their hopes and dreams onto this child Mm -hmm. and have them carry out what they couldn't do themselves. And that is not okay ever, 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 ever. And yet it still happens time after time after time in our society, in the whole world. Yeah. Parents need to stop doing that. When you have a child, that child is basically pretty much a blank slate and you are now responsible for allowing them the freedom to grow into who they are going to be and they can't do that when you are pushing things on them Mm -hmm. that are your dreams instead of theirs your dreams your beliefs etc because you need to you need to let your child grow in the way that they need to point them in point them in a direction if they're going into like self-destructive kind of attitudes like but not yes. but not like no you cannot join starfleet you you are a ferengi you will go into a business you will make and seek profit like mm-hmm. that's you know that's not that's not a uh, way to father it's not it's not a way to parent on either side or parent. So. yeah sorry yeah no it's okay we're talking about fathers so that's valid <laughs> yeah but it applies to moms too sometimes more so where shall we move on to next? Let's roll a six-sided die and decide. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is how we make all of our decisions on the Vedic Assembly. Siri random. Or, a, or a dice. <laughs> yes. Either way, it's random. Uh, just throw one out, Nick. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, we could... Um, why, don't, why don't we sort of pivot into the, the kind of not-so-good territory and talk about war for a bit? I think that's a good idea. That's kind of how I was feeling. Yeah. Okay. Because... I do. I get the feeling that this might have, you know, from from an outside point of view. I think a lot of the people writing for Worf, I don't know if they sort of forgot that he had Alexander, but just like 
didn't want to have anything to do with that part of his character and just like wrote whatever story they wanted and then in the the whole thing as an arc it's like oh hang on now it looks like he's just this really inattentive absent father but i don't know which he is yeah Yeah. see i actually completely forgot about alexander Mm -hmm. most people do which is sad because it it would have been good to see wharf and klingon parents like we see ferengi parents it would have been good to see Klingon parents. Yeah, most of that happened in TNG, but there wasn't really much from memory Deep Space Nine stuff. There was like teenage Alexander, wasn't there? Yeah, and he was a dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's what happens when you're abandoned because Alexander was abandoned. His mother was murdered. His father didn't want him and shipped him off to live with his human parents. Mm-hmm. And so basically Alexander was abandoned by anyone who could possibly understand what a Klingon youth would be going through, the changes that they would be going through mentally, physically, etc. He had none of that guidance from the one person that he absolutely mm. should have had it from, which was Worf. Now that I don't think is really true to Worf's character. I think it's lazy writing. Mm-hmm. I think that they introduce this character and then they're like, ah, it's just, we don't, we can't have a kid all the time. We already had Wesley and we finally got rid of him. And now it's now we got this kid and just, ah, oh. and it was just, it was laziness on the part of the people writing and producing the show. They were willing to do the work to portray fatherhood in you know between a Klingon parent and a Klingon child and I find that really sad and we were robbed of some possibly really interesting stories there we could have learned a lot about Klingon upbringing through Alexander and Worf yeah Mm -hmm. and a lot it's something that yeah that we definitely missed out on I wonder if part of that was because they didn't want Alexander on TNG because obviously you like you said that the whole Wesley thing and Maybe even Alexander on DS9 because of Jake and Ben. They didn't want to, you know, like muddle that really strong relationship by maybe introducing another. Like, I, I think it's not like a good decision, but maybe that's a thought that they had. I mean, we're not, we can, we're not Iris Stephen Bear and those kind of people, but, I, I, you know. Well, this idea that you can only have so many types of relationships on a show is outdated and narrow a vision. But this is 1993 or whatever. I don't care well, what well, year I, it is. I just want to show you saying I was outdated and I'm like, this was like 20, 27 years ago. No. Yeah, it was 27 years ago. But even back then, it's like you guys are pushing the envelope with this show. And yet having another child on there is one children too many. Mm. Is that it? People have children. Most people have children, so it's okay to show families. Yeah. That not that what the whole thing about TNG have, being a ship where you could have families? Shouldn't we have seen a hell of a lot more of that? But yeah, we didn't. agree, yeah. And we got more of it in Deep Space Nine, but again, ignoring the very blatant relationship that they could have explored that we haven't really seen anything good from between Alexander and Worf. Makes me angry. (laughs) 
Yeah, Worf wasn't... I don't know. I think Worf was one of those characters that sometimes they wrote into a hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Very didn't much. know their way out of, so they're like, oh, yeah, this didn't happen. Give him some prune juice. <laughs> or you just say, Klingons don't do this, and then you move on. So it would have been it would have yeah. been good. So, I mean, I guess we could put Worf on the not-so-great family relationship yeah, let's put it down as not well written. Not yeah, well written, yeah. Because exactly. I think he 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 could have and should have been, you know, a better father. Like there was yes. so much potential for that. Because we you see that in the relationships of his that were well written, mm-hmm. that he was very much capable of, you know, a level of emotional availability and and being a deep, you know, character. They just decided not to include that. Yeah, that's why I think that this whole thing with Alexander made Worf's relationship with him feel completely out of character for Worf. Because that's not the Worf we knew. Mm. The Worf that we knew would not abandon his child. I mean, to be fair, he didn't know that he had a child until that child was like, what, four or five? So that's not his fault. That is Kalar's fault. And, you know, she she made the decision for both of them without giving him the opportunity to be part of that decision. Yeah. So that was completely unfair. All of her reasoning is just, you know, excuses. If you are pregnant with someone's child and you don't tell them about it, that's on you. And that also is going to be a heavy burden for your child. That's not fair to Alexander or Worf. Hmm. So now remind me, what was the reason he sent Alexander to live with Worf's parents? Plot convenience. There wasn't really like any reason, like, oh, well, this is I how think, I was raised. So I don't think they really put anything in text, except like no. there's a throwaway line, I think, where he's like, Alexander is living with his grandparents. He enjoys it with them, or something like that. Which is like, yeah, but yeah. they they established well, there, there that were... they were too old to look after another Klingon teenager. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing. They uh, Alexander did live on the Enterprise for a while, and he would act up in school and be violent. And again, this is the kind of stuff that I didn't like in the writing, because Worf would have been teaching Alexander what he knew and using his experiences to help guide his life. That is the kind of character that Worf is. That is not the kind of character that Worf was portrayed as in his relationship with Alexander. And that has always been a a sore point with me. Because I I just thought, guys, this is not the Worf you've been giving us all these years. You are writing all of this out of character. And... That's that's the one thing that I didn't like about his character, and it wasn't anything having to do with the performance. It was all writing him into a corner and not having any idea how to get him out of it. My angry face again. <laughs> Should we go to our puddle? Yeah, I mean, we spoke about <laughs> O'Brien, obviously, last time, but I think we could just touch a little bit more on, on him specifically as a father, because I think we kind of established last time that... For for all his faults, he's he is a good dad. You know, he's he's there for his kids, and he he does what he does for them. I think mm-hmm. he does everything he can to protect them and look after them. I mean, yeah, I I think that he is very much devoted to Molly and Yoshi. 
And I think it's interesting, um, like something that we obviously we mentioned this last time as well with, you know, his big move, kind of moving his young family from the Enterprise to Deep Space Nine. I know from some experience that 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 can be like a very big upheaval in a family because I was two years old when my family moved from New Zealand to here in Australia, specifically for, you know, work. My dad got a job over here and like it was a huge thing and something like that, even if, you know, everything goes well, can still be traumatic because suddenly you're away from all your friends and family who you knew. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, that's like, it was a big deal and he sort of manages to get them through it relatively well and sort of helps Keiko and Molly when it's just the three of them, when it's starting out to get sort of established helps Keiko start uh, the school. I do feel like he is very much a family man. He is, yeah. yeah. Like, we we do always see him having time for um, for his kids. You know, I like that he... Even even if he's coming back after, a you know, a long duty shift or something, he, he can still, you know, read Molly a bedtime story. You can see how much it hurt him as well in that episode... Oh, I, I can't remember the name. Um, where everyone was being weird towards him. Oh, yes, when it turns out he was a clone. Yeah. Yep. A replicant. Yes. yes. Um, I, I knew the name of that, and it's escaping me as well. I can't remember the name. <laughs> I mean, listeners, you know which one we're talking about. But, yeah. like, you can see how much it hurt him when Molly was sort of a bit standoffish and Keiko mm-hmm. wouldn't really let him be with Molly. And I will flip on the flip side, that Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, that dude. That episode. Oh, oh, I can't stand that one. The one where I, th- I don't like that. I one think either. the production story I've heard of that is they decided at the last minute to make it Rumpelstiltskin and not a leprechaun because they thought that would be like a little bit too like stereotypical. <laughs> I agree. That would have been. No. How about just don't do the story at all? Yeah. How, how about even don't better? Do that? How about delete it? Delete that whole. Yeah. Was this you guys trying to be lighthearted? Because we're not expecting that with this show. Mm. You don't need to do that. Please Mm -hmm. do not ever do that again. No. Oh, it was just... Oh, my gosh. I mean, he did... It was interminable. mm, He did did protect Molly as well in that episode. Mm. Like, it it shows, like, the protection that he has over her. Yeah. Yes. it's, It's hard to say the dynamic between him and his kids just because the kids aren't really old enough. Well, there's the dynamic that he has for his kids, and they reciprocate as well as they can for their ages. But he makes it very obvious that they are super important to him. So, Mm -hmm. and would he would do anything for them? So just touch on him. So let's see, who do we have left that we haven't covered? I want to save Cisco for later. So let's not do him yet. So next in line, let's talk about Golducut. Oh, Golducut. He takes the whole idea of wanting to kill your children a little bit too far. Oh, dear. Mm. This is like, oh. I honestly didn't think he would go through with it. And when he did, I'm just like, mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that was the reaction they wanted, I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> they got it from me. He didn't kill Zhao, though. But he did, really. Well, well, via Damar. Yeah. He Mm. he made sure that it was going to happen. 
it's really funny because like because Jordan and I are watching Deep Space Nine when it comes on and I'm like now pay attention this character's gonna be important <laughs> and he's just like who's this and I'm like her name is Zial she's gonna be important and then like Demar mm-hmm. came on the screen in like a random episode just like sitting there on that episode where uh, Descartes was like in charge of a freighter <laughs> and he's like reduced himself to that um, and Demar was just like sitting on the side and I'm like that's Demar. He's going to be important. I can see why Jordan would get annoyed with you for doing that. <laughs> I know, but I'm just like, no, because he's like half sitting on his phone and I'm like, this one's important. Pay attention to this. Otherwise, you won't realize who this character is in a few episodes time. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I have done that to Dave on more than one occasion. Mm. So that's fair. I don't do I, it all the time. I recant. I recant my my snap judgment. That's okay. I apologize. That's okay. I do it for Jordan's benefit. Yes, you do, and well done, you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm such a uh, conscientious benevolent. and giving and benevolent, benevolent, benevolent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a benevolent. <laughs> what is a benevolent? <laughs> a benevolent elephant. <laughs> it's a very, very oh. friendly elephant. <laughs> I'm going to write that down because that's funny, benevolent. Anyway, with with Ducat. It's, he's got so many kids, and he'd have so many illegitimate children floating around as well. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. Mm. Oh, I don't even want to think about that. You, you gotta wonder if he had any with Kira's mom. Oh, oh, can you imagine if Kira came out and they had like a Cardassian brother or sister? That feels like something that could have been a, an episode to. Watch. It would have been a really like you. They could have made a really good episode or storyline out of that you know i agree really like dark definitely and then kira would have to come to terms with the fact that she has family relations like actual family relations to go to cut yeah i mean it'd be hard enough for her to deal with the whole mother and to cut thing yeah Mm -hmm. well i would be willing to bet because she was with him a while i'd be willing to bet they were probably children from that well, we'll never know. Oh, yeah. They, they probably will be. And, I mean, no, we're never going to know unless one of them pops up in Lower Decks. <laughs> oh. Wow. That would be weird. Hello. My name is... Ziel Narice. Ziel Narice. <laughs> I just want... I just love the name Narice. I had to name two kids that. <laughs> so weird. Ducat's kind of fascinating to think about as a... As he is portrayed as a father because... You know, he is at times, like, very protective of Zial. And I think in his own weird, twisted way does love her, or at least thinks he does. Mm. And he's so destroyed by her death. It's very, very strange. But again, it's like, it's not at all uh, an unrealistic portrayal of sorts of things that can happen. Mm. I mean, sadly not, no. Like. Yeah. But then again, you a lot of the time you don't really know what Ducat's thinking. So mm. with Zial, like, was he actually devastated? I mean, he wanted to kill her from the outset and couldn't do it, but maybe he he's very devious and does make plans quite quickly in his head that all of it could have just carried on through. Like, he, we, we know that taking Zial back to Cardassia would lose him credibility. Yeah. Yeah. But did he really do it? 
and take her back to Cardassia because he owed her? Or was there a reason, do you think, that she actually was taken back there? Like, in his his head. I don't think Dukat... Let me try that again. I don't think Dukat does anything that doesn't somehow benefit himself. He's not a benelephant. He's not a benelephant at all. (laughs) And regardless of what his feelings were for Zial, why ever he truly took her back to Cardassia... It benefited him mm. in some way. Somehow. It must have done. Even even if he was put on a freighter. So it was it was all part of the plan in his mind. And so that's why I think the way that I looked at it was that he knew she was going to be killed. He did nothing to stop it and did not expect to be devastated mm. when she died. Yeah. Yeah. So that is that is how I feel about that. That's my head cannon. Mm-hmm. Because with Ducat, I can't see him ever putting anyone else before himself ever. Not even a child. Yeah. That is of his own loins. <laughs> so his Cardassian loins. Mm. <laughs> I just like to say loins. It's such a biblical term and so suggestive. Loin. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like I go to the Cardassian loin. <laughs> I wonder what their loins look like. I mean, do those snakes? Do those ridges go all the way down? Do, do they have like those side ridges on the, on his like member? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, I'd like like inside of the thigh, outside of the thigh, are the ridges there? I just I want to know. Mm. Well, perhaps. Oh, don't, uh, maybe I don't. Perhaps. <laughs> message Mark Alimo. <laughs> okay. Hey Mark. Hi Mark. So tell me how far did your ridges go down? Well, I know how far they went down as far as makeup, which was only until you couldn't see his skin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Cardassian makeup I thought was really cool, but I bet the makeup artists were like, oh, no, like they really like this character and this one actually takes a long time to put together. I, I can't I can't sit still for more than 10 minutes. Yeah, my problem isn't with sitting still. It's just that sitting still, I start to hurt. Yeah, yeah, that's me. And so then I have to adjust my position. But when I am forced to sit in the same position for too long, it becomes even more painful. And my is bones in, are just like... Mm. Is it in your hips? Mine's in my hip. Basically, my hips and my tailbone and my knees and my ankles... And, uh, like, the vertebrae in my back from, like, my lumbar area down. Uh, thank you for coming to this discussion on Brandy's constant pain. We hope you have enjoyed the non-gory details of my chronic pain. This and episode is brought to, to you by Painkillers. <laughs> so get them now at your nearest desk on the promenade. <laughs> get them from Quark. <laughs> Oh no, I'm not buying painkillers mm-hmm. from Clark. <laughs> from Clark. <laughs> Clark. <laughs> Clark. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Uh, actually, I do. My brain is melting. <laughs> okay, Clark. back to this story. <laughs> now that's going to be in my head canon. I'm never going to be able to think of him without calling him Clark. Okay. Uh, ch- uh, do we have anything else that we want to say about Ducat as a father figure? 
Not particularly, other than he's a bit of an ass. Yeah, he's... A bit. <laughs> main main evil villain of the entire piece, and he's a bit of an ass. Can you just imagine if him and Kai Win had a child? Can you imagine Dukat oh. and Kai Win as parents? Like, of a child. Oh, God. Brandy is dry heaving mm. right now. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to imagine that. Thank the prophets who got killed before that could happen. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, shall we yeah. uh, get on to what everyone's actually probably listening to this podcast for? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the minutes. family Cisco. The family Cisco. Yeah, that's good. We, we should talk about it. Not, not just Ben. Because it is because mm-hmm. it is about the whole family, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yeah, because we can't forget good old I think the first uh, thing Master we have Chef to... Jacob Cisco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think we have to first touch on the fact that it's they're not a white family; mm-hmm. they're a black oh, yeah. family. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. from what I've read, it, and, and, and I'm like. We're three white people, so we can't really say too much about what families are like for, you know, black Americans and black people around the world. But it's, from what I understand and from what I've read, they've always been portrayed in real life. Fathers who are, like, black are supposedly distant or not there for their children. There is... Yeah, Absolute. there is a big stereotype of that mm-hmm. uh, in, for, in so much media. Yeah, and for Deep Space Nine to show the opposite way around. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, it is a big thing. Here's the problem, not with the portrayal of the Cisco's, but with the perception of black men in our society. Uh, a black man has every black man has a one in four chance of ending up in prison or being shot by a police officer in his life. One in four. One in four. Our prisons are full of black men, and they always receive harsher sentences than white people would get for the same crime. And they are not given the same resources This is why if there were more fully funded social programs, crime would drop. Crime doesn't drop because the police come in. Crime drops when people don't feel the need to commit a crime just to live. So this idea that black men are just absentee fathers is absolutely asinine. What it is is those fathers are being taken away from their children. And we have seen it on the news Every day in this country, it's happening every day, and it still hasn't stopped. There still isn't change. So that, that stereotype is brought to us by the people who are in charge, the people who are putting these people in prison and in the ground. That is not the reality. And that's why I love that they portrayed this relationship on Deep Space Nine in the mid-90s. Thank you. I think that is that is one of my favorite things about Deep Space Nine and, and about the people involved. Like Avery Brooks kind of, I, I, 
I don't know if he necessarily had had to fight to make that happen, but I mean, it was. I think it was a big part of him wanting to to play the character and to do the part is was to do it that way to say, all right, this this man has a son. He is going to be there for that son. He's you know never going to have, yeah, f- never going to f- fit that stereotype, which I think was so prominent in the media at the time and and even now. So it so was that was part of the reason why he took the role is because he saw that that's what was going to happen. I think the only time that he ever had to necessarily fight or not maybe fight, but I did read that part of him going off to be a prophet, etc. at the end of Deep Space Nine, he had to, he wanted them to slightly rewrite it in a way that didn't look like he was giving up on Jake. I yes. heard that, yeah. And I don't think he had to fight very hard at all for that. Mm-mm. I think it was just like a, oh, okay, yeah, cool. I can see how this could come across this way. Rewrite it slightly. Because I never got the impression at the end of Deep Space Nine that... Um, Cisco was abandoning or just mm. becoming absent. If anything, being a prophet, he'll be like looking over him at all times. Yes, because there is no time. No, oh, well, <laughs> 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 he'll literally be looking after him at all times. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and and the fact that Ben is a single father as mm. well makes it even more special and you see that through episodes like explorers and the visitor just yes how... oh, the visitor. Mm, yeah. yeah oh my god we, we, we're going oh, there god. we're going there and we have to let's go to explorers first explorers yeah. is happy brandy please don't cry yet i know i know i know i'm just thinking i'm just sorry go on with explorers how it's, it's again similar to how nog wanted to go off and do what he wanted to do and not be mr capitalist with Jake wanting to go off to be a writer. And Benjamin was sort of like, oh, okay. But he's really like full on into it and thought, hang on a minute. Yeah, he, this is what Jake wants to do. I'm all for it. And like encouraging. Sometimes it was very interesting to see like, we've all done it as teenagers where you don't want to hang around with your parents for something. And we see that on trips that he took to that place where we first see the Jem'Hadar, where they wanted to take mm. Nog and then <laughs> Quark. Yeah. Or sorry, Clark, as Brandy likes to call him now. <laughs> and you see that there are a whole teenage relationship with him and a Darbo girl and and Benjamin being like, no, thank you. So again, he's just a very supportive father. Yeah. And another thing is there have been times where he was wrong. Like he, he didn't want jake to be friends with nog no exactly and he he tried to end that friendship at one point and then there is a later point where he says you know i tried to split up you and nog and i was wrong i was absolutely wrong and he and that is a good parent oh yeah admitting admitting when they're wrong yeah Mm -hmm. that's how and that's it goes back to what i was saying again earlier that they learn and grow from each other i think that's great i think being able to admit your when you're wrong to a child is probably one of the best signs of of being a good parent. Like that's one of the things that I remember from my parents growing up is that they were both always you know ready and willing to to do that when they were wrong is to mm-hmm. admit it when they had when they had messed up. Mm. And then Jake helping his father along with Cassidy 
setting him up. Yeah. Yes. That is It's like, I know really what you need. Sweet. You really need, you need a companion. I'm not going to be here forever kind of thing. It's like, you need someone that it'd be good. And I found this person will be perfect for you. Yeah, sure. She's like marquee for a little bit. Helps the marquee for a little bit, but who cares? Well, she she wasn't technically marquee. She wasn't. No, she wasn't. It was sort of like helping, or in -hmm. some way, she was just transport. She she just transported goods. She wasn't actually, you know, doing whatever they were doing with those goods. And and I think it says something about their relationship. How Jake's confident enough to go out and find. Well, I wouldn't say he went out specifically to find a date for his father, but was confident enough to be able to have that conversation knowing that his mother had died mm. and mm. Ben's like, love has died, but they're both ready to move on. And Jake needs to show Ben that he is ready to move on and that he wants his dad to be happy. Now, do we mention it? We should mention it, shouldn't we? Absolutely. And deal with mm-hmm. it. Get your tissues mm-hmm. ready. <laughs> okay. The Visitor. <sighs> the Ugly Cry episode. It is an Ugly Cry episode. I still yep. can't do it. I still can't get through it. So Jordan and I watched it. It's maybe like six weeks ago now. Maybe something like that. We both ugly cried. Just like tears streaming down my face. And Brandy's Brandy's almost there. Yep, she's there. She's got it. It's coming. It's coming. And oh, there it is. That's it. <laughs> when Brandy cries. Can't help it. Just just even thinking about it. It just the cause my memories, you know, when I have watched something and how I reacted to that thing. That memory is not only just a a, a vision in my brain it is a physical memory for me mm-hmm. and so when i think about this thing i have that same physical reaction and i can't i can't stop that it's just the way i am so, so. it's like you're punched in the stomach you've got a huge lump in your throat and exactly now my uh my eyelashes are full of unshed tears let's get those <laughs> out of there there we go you need some windscreen wipers for your face <laughs> i know right <laughs> It's just wipe my makeup off as it goes across because <laughs> it's pointless now anyway. It's a testament to like the acting skills of Avery Brooks, Sarah Clofton, and Tony Tony Todd. Tony Todd. Tony Todd. Um, Absolutely Tony Todd. Yeah. Because I can sit here and think about the episode and I'm like, yep, Cisco gets stuck in a timey wimey thing, really, really sad. Jake tries to get him back. But mm-hmm. You think about it and it's just like any, it is a sad episode. But when you yeah. look at it and you actually watch it, just the emotions in the face, it just is terrible. And I can tell you, like, if I had all the sciencey wiency things that they have in the 24th century and that happened to me, I would 100% be doing the same. I agree. Knowing that I could find them and get them back because... Mm-hmm. That's, I guess, the bond that I have with my family. Yes, I agree. Nick, are you crying yet? No, almost. I just, I, because I, I watched that episode as well, kind of recently. And in sort of us preparing for doing this, I was watching a whole lot of episodes again. And I was just sort of avoiding the visitor until I got to the right state. I was just like, 
I know this one's going to be hard. I know this is a, this is a tough episode to watch. And it's so, it really just so perfectly shows that bond between the two of them. Like it shows, you know, how much Jake cares for his dad, but especially as it goes on and each time Cisco turns up and he sees Jake as an older man and he just keeps saying, please move on, live your life. You don't need to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's so desperately sad. For me, the, the hardest part, there are two things that I find really hard in that episode. One of them is when Jake is staring out into the abyss on Deep Space Nine and Kira comes up to talk to him. Mm. It's like, you need to go back with your grandfather. He's like, I can't because what if he shows up here? And the other one is when Tony Todd Jake is on the couch. And he just mm. looks and his face just falls apart. And yeah, that that's that's one of the saddest moments I've seen in TV. Yeah. It's just they Not not to equate it with a cartoon, but I get the exact same feeling when Littlefoot's mother dies. <laughs> oh. oh don't start with me. <laughs> I can't do the Littlefoot mother scene. I'm like, oh oh no. I didn't know I was going to need tissue for this, you guys. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Never be sorry for making me cry. I cry about everything. Okay. You know that. It's a very painful episode to watch in a good way. Yeah, and, it's... and it makes you it makes you evaluate your relationship with your family. It does. I think. Yes, that it really does. Um, and it not necessarily the production side of it, but like the writing side of it. It's it starts out so much like yes, a kind of standard Star Trek plot of you know a character trapped in a in a weird you know quantum temporal thing, but then it just keeps going on and Jake keeps getting older and older and you and it's almost a slow burn of you realizing just how emotionally hard hitting the episode is going to be. I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> yep, that's okay. <laughs> I think this is going to be like, why is it so quiet? Is that... Because Brandy can't talk. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. It, and the fact that it's the bond between them that is what could actually bring Cisco back Yeah, as well. Mm-hmm. It's like some uh, whatever quantum entanglement bond or whatever mm. semi-pseudoscience <laughs> yes. you want to make up, but it's the bond between them. Like they very much knew that the the bond between Jake and Ben was strong, that they could write that into this particular episode to have such meaning. Do you want anything? Do you want to say anything about the visitor? Why does it make you? I mean, obviously the the gut punch feeling, Brandy. Mm-hmm. But what what makes it particularly, I guess, uh, flooding for you? Um. I think that for men in general, especially in this country, they are taught that men don't cry, boys don't cry. And that has never been the case with the Ciscos, which is appreciated. And I think it's that intense bond 
that they demonstrate, which Tony Todd does such a great job in this episode. And, um, and he's a crier. I've, I've met him. He's a crier. He's, he's a sensitive guy. Um, just, just the absolute unconditional love and complete belief that he knew how to save his dad and he was going to do it no matter what. And of course, yes, there's that whole, well, this is, you know, it's a reset button and now this future isn't going to happen, but there was no way to completely know that. But he, he was willing to pay the ultimate price to have his father back. Even if they only got a few minutes together before everything, you know, culminated in the ending that we got. But it was just, it's, it's the expression of that love that I think touches me the most. Because yes, it's sad, but at the same time, that's not the only reason that I cry about anything. It, it's just, just that love is so evident and so strong. Like, do this. It's a pa- <laughs> it, it's powerful emotions from all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And my mo- emotions always manifest as crying. So there we are. Mm-hmm. You guys started this. Yeah. No, <laughs> so. we we brought us here. We always, we always yeah. knew it had to come here. Yeah. 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 But I I I really love what you bring up about you know the Cisco's being so open with their emotions so okay with with crying and and they're so tactile with each other you know ben is never shies away from from hugging jake kissing him on the on the top of the head like it's that is something that i is so important for me to see because i think again there is so much in men even today, and it makes me so upset who are who are kind of standoffish with physical affection with other men, even their own sons. And it's just like I, it makes me so sad to see because when I was growing up, it was not we didn't have that. My dad was wonderful, and he was always very you know close and and tactile with both me and my brother. But you know, I see that, and I had friends growing up who I'm still really good friends with now who didn't have that with their dads and they are still today a little bit sort of standoffish with the idea of of just physical contact uh with other guys aside from the sort of like you know broy handshake shoulder touch kind of thing it's like hugging this feels so good it's just nice and it's I they're just such a wonderful example of 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 fatherhood and just wonderful close male relationships it's Mm. it's just so so beneficial for everyone to to have that as an example in my family i lost my father in 2005 and it wasn't until i was an adult that I mean, I look like my father in most cases. I have a few of my mother's features here and there, but I mostly look like my father uh, from head to toe. <laughs> like I definitely have his legs and his feet and his his very knobby knees. I have all of that, but uh, I also got a lot of his emotional disposition. My dad was one of those 
strong, silent types. And that wasn't that he was standoffish. It's just that he was careful with whom he, he shared himself mm. because he grew up as eight of the eighth of nine children. And uh, he was never given the emotional attention that every child deserves to have. And uh, so he, and he was ex always affectionate with my mother, always physically affectionate. They were always kissing, <laughs> always kissing. <laughs> so, you know, affectionate with all of us physically, you know. And the, the thing was, is that I used to think that my mother was the emotional, more emotional of the pair, but no, it was my father. My father was a crier. He hid it because that's the way he'd been raised. But my dad cries like I do. That's where I get this is from my dad. And it breaks my heart that he didn't feel like he could express that during his time on this earth. Mm. That he couldn't be who he fully was. That that was not instilled in him by his parents. Uh, so that that hurts me that he didn't, you know, he didn't feel comfortable expressing himself in that way. But I saw it. I knew it. I saw it when he didn't know that I saw it. So, and I I just wish that he'd been able to be freer with that when he was alive. I guess with mine, like my dad comes from a family that's very much when he was a kid, his dad would, they wouldn't hug at all. Mm. A child should be seen, but not heard. So the affection mm. from my dad's side of the family was very low on the flip side of things. My mum's side was very huggy and very emotionally attached so I guess like when they got together, it was always like a weird scenario that my uncle would come round and be like, Liam, and like, give me like huge hugs, etc. And like to my dad, and my dad would be like, ah, because he was not used to it. And over time, my dad learned that that's not something that has to be that way. You know, like, so he becomes, so like, he'll come up to me like more, more when he's tipsy, but he's tipsy a fair bit, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he'll come up and just like try and randomly hug me. And I'm like, ah, hugs. Cause I mean, I'm sometimes, I'm not, sometimes I'm not the huggiest person either, even though hugs are good. Um, but my dad's not a crier either. And I think that's because he had the whole do not cry. Um, the only time that, I've ever known him to cry was when I told him about me. Well, when I had my coming out thing, which is like a men basically a mental breakdown. <laughs> and then I made mum tell dad. And then my dad was very standoffish for about three days because he couldn't process it. So then I went out and I got this random, <laughs> random text message from my mother that basically said, I think your dad's finally worked it out and he's spent the last hour sitting at the computer crying. Not because it's not what he thought you were, but because he realized that he felt so bad knowing what I went through, I guess, and not being able to tell him. And then that sort of showed 
me that dad does have that side to him. So. Guys, it's a very sad episode, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I don't know that it's so much sad as it is moving. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Let's go back to some Benelephants, please. <laughs> <laughs> Benelephants. Um, uh, do we want to touch on, on Grandpa Cisco, on Joseph Cisco for a bit? I think so. I think he is he is a cool character. He is. Well, it's obvious where Cisco, the Cisco's, you know, get their yeah. affection for each other. And it's something that's been passed down. Yeah. So, and you, you get to see that in, in Joseph Cisco as well, or Admiral Cartwright, depending on which Star Trek you're watching. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. uh, yep. It's okay. I, I'm fine with different actors playing, or same actor playing different characters in the shows. It's called acting. It's fine. Well, all I have to say about uh, else about Joseph Sisko is that he's a good example for Ben because Ben's a great father, and so obviously Joseph must have been as well. Yeah. And uh, I want to know what's in his jambalaya. Oh yeah, God, I I love uh, like Louisiana Creole and Cajun food. I know that there is a difference between Creole and Cajun. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but I love all of it. It's delicious. Uh, I don't. I don't know the difference either, so I won't speculate. But as long as the, there aren't the fishy things in it, then I'm good. Well, one thing I do want to say about Granddaddy Cisco is I would never go to his restaurant because his over-exuberance in waitering would <laughs> drive me the hell away from him. <laughs> Just leave me alone. Don't tell me what to eat. Don't tell me I'm going to love the dessert because don't tell me what I want. <sighs> That'll be me. Uh, I think I would like that specifically if I went to a place like that. I think there are certain restaurants where you where you go in and if the atmosphere is right and you've got the exuberant chef coming right up and saying, you'll love this. I'm like, you know what? You'd look like you know what you're talking about. Sure, I'll give it a try. I don't know. If I just go into like a, a, a regular you know, somewhere else, any kind of like average restaurant and someone's just like, you should try this one. No. Mate, I know what I want. I'll just have the parma, thanks. Mm-hmm. Oh man, a chicky pa- chicken parmy. I really want a chicken parmy. Oh no, you have to call it chicky parmy now. Why a chicky? <laughs> you started saying chicky. You, you started saying chicky. <laughs> let's let's start a debate with our Australian listeners. It's a chicken parma. No, it's a parmy. Oh no, no, it's a parma. <laughs> Do you, do you know what you know, uh, you know what a chicken parmesan is, don't you, Brandy? Of course. Okay, good. We have chicken parmesan here. Oh, mm-hmm. parma- no, it's parmigiana. Whatever. I think it's basically <laughs> the same thing. It's like it is the same yeah, thing. It's breaded just chicken schnitzel, bolognese sauce, say- ham, cheese. Oh man, I used to have a chicken chicken one. It was called mango tango. Oh, <gasps> so good. Oh, that sounds good. Cool. I love mango. Oh, mango tango chicken parmy. Oh, my eared piece just fell out at the excitement. <laughs> Let's put it back in. <laughs> well, yeah, basically we just call it parm here. Chicken parm. That's, That's our abbreviation. Nice. Gets rid of that divisive so, final vowel. 
Yeah. So I just, but I love calling it, I'm going to call it Chicky Parmy now because that reminds me of the Mandalorian and people <laughs> making little memes about baby Yoda wanting Chicky Nuggies. <laughs> so. Nuggies. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so everything's connected. Everything. So. Before we do the close, I think I just was say. So, listeners, the reason we decided to talk about fatherhood is because it's coming up to Father's Day in certain parts of the world. I know it is in Australia. I don't know if it is in America. Is it Father's Day? No, soon? that was in June. It so, was in June. So you do your Father's Day in June, like the UK does. Um, but our Father's Day, we might be the odd ones out down here doing it in September because Mother's Day's in May. June. We do it in May. May yeah, yeah, it's in May. Mother's Day, I know, is the same here in America. Uh, okay, yeah. So our Father's Day is in September. So, um, yeah, that's why we thought we'd do fathers. Yay, fathers. Yeah, so, yeah. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Yep. And happy Father's Day to the dads no longer with us. And don't be a Ducat. Don't be a Ducat. That's going to be my new word for dick. Don't be a Ducat. (laughs) Why are you such a Ducat? (laughs) So thank you for listening to this episode of the Vedic Assembly. Before we close, Nick and Liam record on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Garna people of the Adelaide Plains, respectively. We pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. You can keep up to date with our episode releases on Twitter at Vedic Assembly, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Vedic Assembly. Please also join us in our listeners community called The Nexus. Just search for The Nexus on Facebook and you should find it. You can find Liam on Twitter at LS74656 and on this network hosting The Janeway, our Star Trek Voyager podcast. You can find Nick on Twitter at Punk Zoologist and on Instagram at Punk Rock Zoologist. And you can find me on this network holding holding <laughs> and you can find me on this network hosting boldly go our our dirty <laughs> new world's podcast <laughs> wait mm-hmm. <laughs> somehow the word strange got replaced with dirty well the name of your episode got changed to uh, your, your show <laughs> Oh my god. Gonna boldly um, boldly grow, Brandy. Yeah, boldly grow. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Alright, what dick did this? What Ducat did this? Liam? I mean, who is it gonna be? I mean seriously. <laughs> you can find Liam nowhere and on no other show. He is a bad person. You can find Nick on Twitter. <laughs> Just- <laughs> <laughs> okay damn it (laughs) alright let's try this again you can find Liam on Twitter at LS74656 and on this network hosting The Janeway, our Star Trek Voyager podcast. You can also find Nick on Twitter at Punk Rock Zoologist and on Instagram at Punk Rock Zoologist. And you can find me on this network holding. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch, I'm never going to get this! Fuck! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I say hosting? <laughs> Holding both like crap.
or a boldly mo now? Ah! Oh my god! Why did I say holding? <laughs> holding boldly grow? No! Oh, hello! <laughs> That's where it was going! God damn it! Oh, okay. Just, <clears throat> just go from hosting. <laughs> You're such a dick. A Ducat. Anyway, okay, let's try this again. You can find Liam on Twitter at LS74656 and on this network hosting The Janeway, our Star Trek Voyager podcast. You can find Nick on Twitter at PunkRockZoologist and on Instagram at PunkRockZoologist. And you can find me on this network hosting Boldly Go, our strange... <laughs> God damn it! I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck you! Well, what's wrong with Boldly Mo? <laughs> Please stop it. Liam, Please. I'm cleaning up after you. Okay. I I am hungry and I am tired. Oh my god, you Again, Boldly Grow, a lawn mowing service podcast. You have ensured that I am not going to get through this now. I hope you're happy. <laughs> you can just start from and you can find you. Like I can just splice it together. <laughs> Yeah, let's try this. The, the, see, that's the problem now. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting it to change <laughs> boldly before well, I can I... get it all out. Boldly stroll. Oh, my God. Okay. And you can find me on this network hosting Boldly Go, our Strange New Worlds podcast, and on Twitter at Brandywine12. Brandy's with an I and 12 is a number. And soon you will also be able to find me on What the Future Holds, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. The Vedic Assembly is part of the Holo Suite. disassemble we'll have a hug Ow. oh I almost pulled out my headphones that was stupid <laughs> this show is brought to you by Sweet Media computer list other available Sweet Media programs loading Sweet preview program for Blast Shield a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast and she starts swinging it in a ridiculously reckless way. That is so over the top that I was laughing out loud. It's putting a smile on my face. I know you were laughing. I really when you first related saw it. to that moment. <laughs> you know I get over the top. It was. Uh, I just think it gives a good idea at her, and the way they cut around it, it's so close in her face. You're like, oh my god, she's crazy. And then we get the moment where she just slices it into his leg, and it's very graphic. Oh, it's really, detail. You see the muscle, like the different muscles torn. You can like see the, the yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah, I think you see bone as well. Loading Sweet preview program for The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. The orangey skin makes me think of something else. Makes you think nowadays. of Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and bad hair. Oh my God. He's Kazon. Donald Trump is Kazon. Trump is Kazon. Oh my God. I'm surprised he's not calling himself Marge Trump. <laughs> because he's not very bright either. No. It fits perfectly. I understand it all now. We've, we've just been taken over by the Kazon. We didn't even realize it. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listeners, we've just solved the mystery of the last four years in the United States. Loading Sweet preview program for There Are Four Questions, a Star Trek Spotlight podcast. I always thought I was special, that I knew that the theme came from the end of, of the original motion picture. Like, I thought nobody knew that but me. <laughs> and, of course, 
that was dumb to think, <laughs> but that was, and that was the thing that, that always really sort of stuck with me. So in getting to, in getting to work on discovery, it was, you know, really, really an amazing experience for me and an amazing thought to be able to start working in this world of this kind of narrative. But when, when I talked to Alex about doing um, Picard, it was on a whole nother level of, of connection for me. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.